Dynasty Podcast is proud to present PodClass, a series of conversations recorded at a college, university, or other academic or industry setting. My name is Haima Black. I host this podcast at DynastyPodcast.com. Today, talking with Miss Alex White of White Mystery in a live interview recorded in the Intro to Management class I teach at Columbia College, Chicago. Here's how that sounds. I'm a black recording here at Columbia College Chicago where I teach intro to management and we are holding a special podcast interview with Miss Alex White of Chicago rock duo White Mystery. How are you doing? Very good. How are you? I'm good. It's always good to have you uh, on the podcast and here we have another live audience. We did this a year ago at Rocket and now we're here at Columbia College and uh, it's really, really great to have you here. I know it's very early, so thank you for coming out. It's cool to be here because... uh, I'm a business management graduate from DePaul University um, with a concentration in entrepreneurship. Besides being in a band with my brother, uh, fashion is a really big part of what we do. Um, You'll see White Mystery in the fall campaign for, or I'm sorry, spring campaign for Levi's Jeans. Um, We just flew out to LA and shot for them. Uh, I spy optical here in Chicago. A lot of different brands are really important to me, and it's cool to see that all of you are kind of, are you integrating kind of fashion with management and entertainment? Is that kind of where you're headed in the class? That's what, uh, you know, that's why we we have brought someone like you in, and we had Anna Hobat, the Chicago fashion designer, a few weeks ago, because, you know, my background's in music, but this class is, there's some music concentration, but it's a lot of fashion, and so I wanted to bring in people who could really speak to that, whereas if I tried to wing it, I'm not going to be able to speak to it as authentically. So let's kind of back up, because you have so much great information you can share on the worlds of music and marketing and fashion and branding and everything, but let's kind of start at the beginning so that they have an overview. Like, how did you get your start in the various creative industries? How did that start happening for you? It's a good question. Um, Born and raised in the city of Chicago on the north side in Rogers Park, uh, music has always been very accessible here in Chicago. All ages shows, the Metro, the Fireside were legendary places where people under 21 could access touring bands. And of course, a, a big part of music is how you express yourself, whether it's through playing or how you dress, how you appear, and how you interact with other people. So I think that you know the fashion and the music went very much hand in hand. And I pursued business because I started a record label when I was in high school. And my parents explained, did you know that this is called entrepreneurship? When you start your own business, you should consider pursuing that. And DePaul at that time had an entrepreneurship program for undergraduates, one of the first in the country. So I pursued that while continuing to play guitar in various bands, touring the country and the world, going to Europe. And of course, as you travel, you you absorb all of this awesome, not only music, but visual information, you know, going to Paris and seeing what people are doing there, going to London, going to LA, San Francisco, seeing how weather, of course, shapes how people dress. You're not <laughs> gonna see as many like quilted leather jackets in um, <laughs> Athens, Greece, right. as you will in Chicago in December, or whatever yeah. month it is, November, almost December. It's all kind of December, basically from November through February. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Basically, Halloween to South by Southwest is November in Chicago. Yeah, totally. Um, so your parents, it sounds like they were very supportive. They weren't the kind of parents who were like, 
why are you picking up a guitar? Right. Go become a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom is a graduate from University of Illinois in Chicago. She's also a native Chicagoan. Hello. And uh, she is a photographer. She worked at the Field Museum for 30 years photographing natural history artifacts, so Native American artifacts, uh, pottery. Before that, she was a street photographer in Chicago, so shooting what Chicago looked like in the 70s and 80s. So she was a creative woman. Her website is uh, Diane or D-A-W photography.com, something like that, dawhitephotography.com. But you could see uh, what Chicago looked like a couple decades ago and what her experience was. So being a creative woman, uh, fortunately, she encouraged my creativity as well. Yeah. Um, so you really came from an arts background and probably just was always happening from as long as you can remember then, I would imagine. Right. So yeah. when I started listening to rock and roll and explained that I wanted to learn how to play guitar, you know, she was all over that. And fortunately, my brother Francis, that guy, um, who is who went to Columbia, um, two years younger than me, he decided to play drums. So instead of being a two-guitar band, we were able to be a, a rock and roll duo. Yeah. So White Mystery started five years ago on April 20th, 2008. And since then, we've played probably a 1,000 shows yeah. uh, worldwide. This year, we played in 15 countries around the world. Super cool, just in 2013 alone. That is insane. And uh, Riot Fest, where mm -hmm. we last chatted. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's been a really exciting year for both music business and fashion yeah and, and there's so much i want to pick apart from what you have already talked about so we'll take it kind of step by step so let's start with really what you just ended on with with the music and fashion and business and management and entrepreneurialism like how did you decide you know some people they do one thing and that's all they can keep up with and you've really got a lot of different you know you've got your feet in a lot of different states kind of as it is like how did you start to think like I should do music and I should do fashion and I should be the manager and, you know, like why, why give yourself the extra work or was it never work? Well, is like the management class here at Columbia, do you have marketing, management, accounting, finance? Do you, do you have like diverse classes across the program? So, you know, like having that experience in school where you're like, ooh, marketing's kind of cool. This is, this is kind of interesting. And then you take the marketing to class and you delve a little deeper. Um, and then accounting, of course, is an important part of your, your ins and outs yeah. of your business. So just exploring all of those different curriculum and whatever were important to accepting diverse responsibilities day to day. So, you know, some days I'm answering 120 emails from the time I wake up until I go to sleep. And other days I get to get out and have fun and talk rock with out. people and new people or rock out, play yeah. concerts. Um, but again, I think that music and fashion are so intertwined um, in terms of like expressing yourself both musically and visually. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at me and you're probably dissecting, you know, what is this person wearing? Um, you know, why didn't I wear a skirt? Why didn't I wear a blazer to this class? 
Um, you know, like the, those sorts of choices. And you're communicating with people with the way that you're, you're presenting yourself. I probably could have come biz cash today, but didn't feel like it. Yeah, it's too early. It's too cold. Yeah, and, and plus I'm in a rock band. I want to wear boots. You know, I want to wear functional but kind of slim, cool boots and that sort of thing. So, you know, as, as you meet people and you move forward and you play these shows and, and so on, you, you know, sometimes someone will come after you, come after you the, the discussion and ask, hey, you know, I saw you're wearing a pair of boots. I, wear a, I own a boot store in Chicago. You should come in sometime. And that happened with Alcala's Western Wear in Chicago. Um, has anyone been there to Alcala's? It's on Chicago and Damon, kind of Ukrainian village area. And they only sell super high-end, beautiful boots and beautiful shirts. And when you buy a pair of pants, they tailor them for free because that's part of their service they're offering to you for buying high-quality goods. It's right. not an in-and-out kind of experience. People who go there keep coming back. Um, when you buy a pair of boots there, you have a lifetime... Um, warranty of servicing. You bring them in, they polish them for free, or you know, do little repairs and that kind of thing for free. So it's it's a very like high end, service oriented retail establishment, family owned in Chicago. And one thing that's been very important to White Mystery, and maybe this is something you'll explore in your experience, are sponsorships. So in the case of White Mystery, we have sponsorships with Levi's Jeans, um, where I came home from this six-week tour the other day and had a big box full of um, Levi's Orange Tab Jeans, which are their Made in America, um, very cool. It's called their Makers line, where it's, it's very thoughtfully put together, and it's all throwback 70s jeans. So I had a cool pair of bell bottoms, um, like super bells, right. really big bells, which I think is cool because everything's so skinny these days, like skinny jeans. So it's cool to do something kind of opposite to make a statement, especially if you're playing and you want to have movement in your clothing as you're playing. You know what I'm saying? Like you're trying to, to make an impact on your audience with what you're wearing. So Alcala's was an important sponsorship. So what we do is... You know, they give me a beautiful pair of boots, mm -hmm. and I help them develop a little advertising campaign around it. So they can say, this musician has traveled the world and did 30,000 miles in these boots. You can too. And I believe that's the picture that you used to announce. Right, on my Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. my speaking engagement for this class, which was the promotional photo yeah, for Alcalis. So, you know... Getting a professional picture taken, expressing it to your uh, social network community. So our 8,000 Facebook fans and 2,000 Instagram followers and Twitter followers are like, ooh, who's this Alcala's Western Wear store? I've never heard of it before. I'm intrigued. I'm going to click into their website. So this sponsorship, you've created a, a mutually beneficial relationship with a brand that you really believe in and really respect and, and, and feel comfortable wearing and, and, and advertising subtly. So, you know, that's become a really important part of the fabric of the band has been this, 
this expression, this visual expression beyond the music. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, something we've talked about in this class is the the power of kind of creative branding and you know the the kind of thought that you know advertising is the cost of being boring. It's something we talk about a lot. The Andy Cernowitz quote, um, and how if you have a good social following or if you have something that you can offer a brand, a company, a venue, another artist, you know, you can negotiate um, kind of opportunities where maybe you don't have to, you know, pay money you don't have. You can instead say like, hey, you know what, if you can give me this venue hall for the night or if you can cater our event, we'll advertise this to like our, yeah, 10,000 Instagram followers or right. whatever it is, you know, and there's a lot more space for that kind of opportunity now versus thinking just like, oh, we don't have money for catering, so since we don't have the money for it, we obviously can't do it. No food for anyone. No food for anyone. But now, now there's so many more opportunities if you get creative with the kind of um, negotiation and what you can bring to the table, you know. And I think what's important when you're considering creating these sponsorship opportunities, um, for instance, catering or, or shoes, free shoes, free jeans, whatever, um, also try to think... You know, social networking, obviously super important because everyone's on Facebook. Someone's probably on Facebook in here right now, right? No? Okay, good. <laughs> um, but anywho, you know, it's, it's a constant force that shapes people's daily lives. We're like, ooh, event tonight at 7 p.m. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to go to that thing. Or, hey, my friend just shared this photo. Um, I'm going to check this out. So, you know, obviously social networks are a really important um, cultural influence on people. Also, like, if you really want to nail a sponsorship, think beyond it as well. Think of, you know, the social networking as being your foundation and, and try to get creative. Like, what else can you offer these people? Um, can you create, you know, 500 postcards that you throw into each mail order? Like, we, we mail order records and ship records all around the world. There's this awesome company in Chicago called Greenola, and Greenola is a woman-owned uh, fashion business, and it's free trade, so what she does is import goods from like Bolivia, things like leg warmers, mittens, hats, really cute hats, um, that are all made of, out of alpaca wool, which is like one of the finest wools that you can get your hands on. It's super soft, it's like llama, you know, like llama wool? Anywho, um, she asked, you know, like, the social networking's great, but can we do an exchange where you also throw these, these postcards of you wearing the mittens and hats and leg warmers into your orders? And, you know, whoever orders based on these postcards gets 20% off. And it sounds old school, but it totally worked. She was like, I can't believe it, but I totally got orders. And here we are being a, a vinyl record mail order business you know, shipping records and tapes and CDs and throwing a postcard in for mittens and people totally ordered them. And then she had a measurable um, success kind of number that she could attach to our sponsorship and say, made 500 bucks off this thing, not bad. You know, and she could say, let's do this again next year. You know, I, I have a measurable, maybe we could beat this 500 bucks with, 750 or 1,000 or something like that. And when you can offer that kind of value, 
Um, you know, what we did in White Mysteries, we started with these smaller companies like mom and pop cowboy boot stores. And now we're at this point where we have a modeling contract with Levi's, like pretty badass. And, you know, getting flown around and put up in like super fancy hotels in Hollywood and coming home to packages of pants. But it didn't happen overnight. It took like five years of um, measurable success with other entities and being like, okay, I feel comfortable delivering on this sponsorship agreement. Well, and I think that this is a really interesting kind of case study too because White Mystery, your profile keeps growing, but at the same time, I think some people might be like, well, you can probably only get sponsorship deals if you're Rihanna or Drake, mm -hmm. if you're at that like Katy Perry level. Right. And it's absolutely not the case. Like White Mystery, you guys have this great online presence, you have a great real world presence, and you have a great touring presence and a distinct style. And I think having all of those active engagements and that, that very um, distinct branding mm -hmm. really goes a long way. Like, I mean, we're looking at the website behind us mm -hmm. and everything's like color coded. It's very white, it's very red, there's some blue in it. Mm -hmm. the, the look of everything is very purposeful, correct? Yeah. Is, you know. Can we control it? I'm curious what's in our blog right now, if we have anything about our, our fashion stuff. Has anyone looked at this website? We looked at it right before. Okay. Right before you got here, we were looking at some of the, like, some of the Levi's stuff, some right. of the Station to Station stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gave them kind of an overview of some of the work cool. that you have done. Yeah. This thing over here, oops, sorry, that thing, <laughs> um, that's a tag cloud. Uh, when you hover over it with your mouse, it spins around like crazy. I don't know if you can control that or what, where it's coming from. Because maybe I could kind of show you some examples of what we've done for these sponsorship opportunities, maybe. Um, so if you can find sponsorships in there, let's see, keep going. Doodly do right there. Ding dong. That thing. Oh, you're going sponsorship. There you go. Yeah, click that. Um, okay, so I Spy Optical. Click that top one if you can. Sure. I also get, like, guitars sent to me. It's so cool. I really love it because on a musician's salary, you know, it's nice to have these perks. And, and a lot of companies want to support that. Okay, so I'm going to just scroll up. This is my brother, Francis. He took dance at Columbia and... Um, then he dropped out. But <laughs> I got a business degree, so yeah. we even each other out. But anywho, so um, this promotional picture here um, is for iSpy Optical. And it is a super fancy um, optical wear store. So not just glasses, but optical wear. You know, like taking it to that next level of offering value to your customers. Um, I Spy Optical, it's, it's all like French um, frames imported from Germany. Just like kind of the coolest, rarest glasses. Really interesting materials. Like some are wood, like wood frames. Um, what Francis is wearing here is a, a pair of French glasses called um, Valentin. Um, and he picked out those blue lenses, their prescription, but now he just always sees blue, which is <laughs> definitely very, I think, expresses his personality, where that would drive me nuts, and he loves it. Um, but anywho, like, 
Ice by Optical said, you know, we really like what you guys are doing. You know, you're, you're traveling around the world. We offer optical wear from all around the world. Let's see what we can do. So we uh, created a sponsorship agreement that uh, they would give us credit to their boutique in exchange for the online stuff, so like a blog post, um, a nice photo that they could upload also. Um, shareable content. Shareable content, yeah. content. so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like just go across all those social networks. That's that foundation again. Um, on top of that, they're going to sponsor one of our concerts um, in 2014, so they'll have that visibility, like I Spy presents White Mystery at a concert. What's super cool about iSpy is they have one of those Airstream trailers, you know, like those silver Twinkie trailers. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'll pull it up. Okay. Pull it up. Um, and it's their pop-up shop that they'll take around the city and like park it and sell their glasses um, from this. So they'll, they'll bring that to one of our events and whatever and, and maybe expose their brand to uh, people who have never heard of them before. That's an Airstream trailer. They're really cool. I think they're awesome. Um, because they're eye-catching. So, you know, if you're talking about marketing, you know, this is a great way to catch um, the attention of, of, new, of new potential customers. So, anywho, um, Francis got hooked up with a beautiful pair of glasses in exchange for the social networking, um, the concert promotion, like the tie-in, kind of like the real world tie-in, and um, also like an innovative tactic, marketing tactic, which is bringing the Airstream trailer to a show, beyond just having words that say, just I Spy or Presents like or yeah. something like that. It's a good presence. Yeah. So, you know, if you go on the White Mystery website and you go under that uh, sponsorship tab, you'll just see like all of these kind of interesting examples. If you're looking for that, if you're creating an event in the next year, or if you choose to um, manage a musician, manage a designer, become a stylist, you might, as a stylist one day, have to contact a, a jewelry company and say, hey, I'm doing a shoot, don't have a lot of money, but I need some like I need diamonds, basically, for a day. And here you are, a person that they've never met before. You might have like a one-page website that's just like a picture of you and like maybe one example of what you've done because you're starting, you're getting started. But if you approach a company with a really professional pitch, like a, a, a nice little organized pitch, they might say, you know what, we're going to take a chance with you and, and do a loan and do a one-day loan for your next stylist um, shoot or, or whatever. And here you are like maybe impressing a client for the first time that you're able to bring in something like that and bring something fresh and that's your competitive advantage yeah. as you're looking for cool gigs. Kind of, and, and you could apply that example to any world whether it's being a stylist or a designer or a musician or whatever you decide to pursue in the future. You know, so it's something to think about. And it's never really too early to start pursuing sponsorships, partnerships. Like, for example, with the podcast, really early on when we started doing this in 2005, I was doing some parties in Wicker Park at 
Trevia, which is now Debonair. Um, those were set up through Double Door, and they were like small to maybe like moderate sized events. Mm-hmm. And then we kept, you know, in one form or another doing events tied to the podcast. And then we ended up doing like last couple of weeks, we've done stuff with um, the Grammys and music dealers. And we did Rocket Barn Grill last year. And these were, you know, very large kind of um, places to end up and to do live events and partner with. And it did not happen overnight, but really like anyone in this class could start looking into brands or partners, you know, or companies or vendors or other creative artists to connect with in some way. You know, you don't have to wait until you're White Mister or until you're Katy Perry, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. And, and a lot of times, like, brands want to access real people. Um, you it's know, a huge thing right now. Yeah, like, you know, celebrity, of course, is really important. Um, when they connect with someone who is maybe more on our level and entrepreneurial, you can really build some lasting relationships. So anyway. Um, so let's talk about the management side of things because okay. you are the manager of White Mystery in addition to obviously being the front woman. So what are the advantages of being your own manager versus having to, I mean, obviously I think the big one is you're not paying an extra person. But, you know, what other kind of advantages come with being your own manager? Because this is a management class, and, and for any of them, any of the students who are here, not just in relation to the projects in this class, but whatever you guys go do, mm-hmm. you're probably going to end up being your own manager on some level, at least starting out. Right. So, so what are the perks of that? What makes it great? You know, why did you decide to manage White Mystery? Uh, when you manage yourself, of course, you know, if you have that kind of personality where you don't like to be tamed or controlled, that really helps a lot. Um, it, it would be basically hard for me to listen to someone else because I, I'm very strong-willed and I have a vision that I like to pursue without any level of needing approval from someone above me where they're like, don't get those blue lenses, like, don't you need to do X, Y, Z? And it's like, no, nah, let the guy do what he wants to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think uh, freedom is probably the number one uh, advantage of self-management, of course. Um, the second thing is uh, efficiency, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, you have a much more efficient process if you're not going through layers of approval. Um, so, you know, dealing with corporations, I've seen how long it takes to create a project because of how many departments need to sign off on something. Um, When a licensing company approaches White Mystery and asks, hey, um, do you have a love song that has kind of like a happy beat to it that you can send us today for consideration of uh, a Subaru commercial? to soundtrack the commercial, um, I can do that immediately instead of a manager asking uh, a music licensing agent who then asks the band themselves, what song do you think would be a good fit? So that's one, two, three levels. And then it has to go back one, two, three levels to the client. Um, and and that, things get lost in translation then or someone doesn't forward an email. And it's like sometimes these things... You hear stories about development hell where creative projects can take hours or days or months or years because they have to go through so many people and it just 
it loses its purity along the way. Right, and I think that we also just uh, are able to do business so much more efficiently and effectively because um, it's a one-on-one relationship with the client versus three layers, and uh, yeah, that's a big advantage. Yeah, you know, now being your own manager as well, it's I feel like it gives you guys so much more of a very like everything about white mystery and about your creative projects what you and your brother do it's very distinctly you guys Mm -hmm. it's not being kind of like brainstormed to death by like 10 other people everything you guys do looks like you it sounds like you and that i think helps you guys get a very distinct identity which then you can like approach potential partners and sponsors and collaborators and, mm-hmm. and say like, hey, this is who we are and everything has that uniform look. How, how important is just the branding side and really being able to display who you are and have it be uniform? Yeah. Um, the, the first step for us was uh, creating a logo uh, that we, we went on and trademarked uh, through the, the U.S. Trademark Office. And... Creating that symbol that unifies your brand. It sounds like, yeah, of course, yeah, you create a logo, you got a business, you do a logo, you put it on everything. But it really, like, unites your vision and becomes uh, a big symbol of what you do. So um, we have this... uh, (laughs) We have this logo that my brother kind of had a dream about said, you know, I I have this, you know, idea of, like, you know, the band's called White Mystery. Let's have the superimposed W and M, which kind of creates a concept of togetherness. It's not a separate W and M. They're together, um, which, you know, we're two people. It's two letters. uh, W and M, woman and man, you know, we're boy and a girl, siblings. Um, it really became like the, the thing that visually champions uh, what we do. And, um, and then you can have fun with it uh, in terms of like merchandising, like making cool shirts, making cool buttons, that kind of thing. And then we're able to, um, in these like sponsorship relationships, use our logo to create a brand identity. So... Um, people see like the the Levi's photo and then they see our logo and they're like, oh, white mystery, cool. Right. Um, so I, I really enjoy the visual part of the business in terms of making blog posts, making cool merchandise that we take on tour with us um, and that kind of thing, making posters. And, uh, you know, when when you have that visual symbol that represents what you do, whether it's fashion or music or, or uh, a marketing firm or an advertising agency, that's going to be a really good thing for you, especially it's, it's very professional. And in my 10 years of running record labels, you know, I've had a couple different logos. It's not like you have one forever. If you do, that's great, but you might develop it. It might start as one thing and, and, and develop with your business, but, you know, maybe explore. Does anyone here have a logo? You know, so maybe as you develop what 
what you're trying to do, think about that. What represents you, what you want to have on your business card, how you want to be remembered. Yeah. Is it letters? Is it a caricature or a cartoon of you? You know, do you have a feature that you want to be memorable when you when you're networking? Um, or is it, you know, a symbol of what your trade is? If you're, you know, a web designer, is it something that relates to that? So explore symbolism, you know, as, as you move through your college career, because when you start now with, with your interests and maybe your startup business or, or whatever, this, you know, creating your identity will be a big part of your success for sure. Yeah. You know, and in the fashion side of things, you know, you've you've touched on this throughout um, our discussion here about doing the work with like Levi's and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. how does the the fashion side of things differ from the music side? Is it easier to work with because I think that that industry is still a little bit more monetized, or is it maybe not as progressive or music, you know, as music, or kind of how does it work on that side of things? Uh, the contracts are different. Um, so if you want to get really like technical. Uh, the, the contracts are totally different for music and fashion. So a music licensing contract says, we'd like to use your song for this movie. Um, it will be used worldwide uh, until the universe ends, which is perpetuity when you're reading a contract. And in fashion, it's using your likeness. And while it might sound like, eh, that's not that much of a difference, it's music and your likeness, like, what's the big deal? If you think about it, it is a big difference. Yeah. You know, your, your image, how your image is going to be used. Um, one thing I had to consider was, oh, cool, so, you know, they're going to use our image in print, which is uh, billboards and magazines. That's cool, fine. You know, use it on the website, of course, that makes sense. But I realized in using the likeness online for a video that I um, had to make sure that they were also going to use our music. And that was a, a music licensing thing. So it's not me playing and like a Katy Perry song or something <laughs> like that. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. um, taking, do you have to take business law as part of your management course? Like when you're a junior or senior, do you know? If you have to take business law. Okay. Yeah, for music focus. That's going to be so important to you. And it'll be a lot of technical, you know, bullet points and memorizations and laws. But when you're self-managing yourself or working at a company and have a manager and you have to review agreements, um, it's so important to understand uh, what's going on and, and how how long your contract is for? Is it for six months or is it for eternity? Which literally is a term, you know, mm-hmm. perpetuity is used in contracts where they say throughout the universe and for perpetuity. And you think, why do they have to say throughout the universe? We live on Earth. I mean, it's literally like. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far... I mean... Yeah, they're covering, you know, a a company like Levi's, which has been around for 150 years, they plan on existing for another 150 years and and into the future. 
Um, and if we one day colonize the moon and they have billboards on the moon, they want to cover their, their ass yeah. um, and make sure that they have a contract so that they can use this image in 150 years. Um, you know, maybe it's like Levi's Vintage, the year 2013. Look how Earthlings did. Right. Yeah. And then you never know. Um, Just saying. <laughs> I think we. Does anyone have questions? I would love to answer as many gonna... questions as you as you have about whatever you might be thinking about in terms of brands, um, how to set up sponsorship relationships. Yeah. Anything, any question like where I've been, brands that I've worked with, I'm, I'm happy to, to answer I think those questions. We'll do one more question on my end and then let's go to the class. So think if you guys have it. some questions, again, you can either use the mic or just not be on the mic. It's up to you. Um, let's kind of go out on this note because we've covered a lot of stuff. What are a few of the most important lessons that no one told you, that you didn't learn in school, that no one passed on to you that you only learned through experience where maybe it's like, oh shit, we, we lost our $1,000 advance because we didn't know this. Or mm -hmm. we drove all the way to St. Louis and we didn't have an agreement for this and now we wasted our time. Mm -hmm. That was kind of like hard lessons. Okay. Well, I, would, I will offer you the, the worst advice my mom has ever given me. Um, and, and I love this woman. She's so intelligent and so creative. But when I was a kid... She used to say, you're never going to see these people again. You know, like when you're like walking down the street and you like, you're wearing heels and you wipe out and everyone's like, check this chick out. You know, like with your like feet up in the air and your skirt over your head kind of thing. And she would say, you're never going to see these people again. Don't worry about it. You will see those people again and they will remember you. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've learned that I, I kind of take the opposite of what she said to heart because in all of these years of playing music and interacting in fashion, someone who was at uh, Scion might be at Levi's the next year. Um, people who are at Levi's, have you ever heard of a company called Nasty Gal? Okay, so, you know, they might be at Nasty Gal the next year. Um, and the... Um, the way that you manage those relationships should always be respectful, responsible, positive as possible. Even if you're having the worst day, you know, you wiped out on the street and everyone saw your skirt fly over your head or whatever, you know, go into uh, your business relationships with the most positive attitude ever. And you'll be able to grow those relationships. So as you grow, and as your, your colleagues and, and these business professionals grow, you grow together. And those deals that you have together go from 500 bucks to 50 grand, you know, in 10 years. Yeah. So just, you know, you might think you'll never see these people again or your professor, <laughs> you know, as, you know, in 10 years, you might see this guy, you know, interviewing your, your boss or interviewing for a podcast. Them. Yeah. You know, so like always manage those relationships. Like golden rule is very important. Treat people as you want to be treated. Hopefully you want to be treated respectfully. Um, you know, your emails and, and the way you conduct business. Just know that, you know, in, in across industries, like you'll, you'll run into people 
develop those relationships um, in a positive way, including with me. If you ever have questions, you're welcome to email me in the future, even if it's a year from now. Um, we have interns work for White Mystery. I love um, that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so it's just like, I would just say, you will see these people again. And um, remember that when you interact with them. Yeah. The creative industries now, when I was growing up working in Chicago in the music business, kind of like before social media really took over, I started to like learn because I started at an early age. I started to see like, oh man, you're, you see the same people every year. You see the same people at the concerts. And then with social media, the world gets bigger, but it also gets much smaller because now your immediate circuit is not just who you're in a market with, who you're in a city with, like Chicago. It's like, who is following you? Who are you following? Your reputation really carries. And, and like you absolutely nailed it. It's such great advice because you do see the same people throughout your time in the creative industries. And it, it doesn't matter if it's fashion or printmaking or music or film. It's like, you start to see those same people at South by Southwest every year or Riot Fest every year and and how you can how you carry and conduct yourself really does make a difference because people see it and people talk and people, you know, for better or for worse, will judge you on that. So you want to absolutely present yourself as as well as you can. I love that. I think that's a really good place to um, go to some questions. Let's do some questions from the class. Does anyone have anything they want to ask? Uh, my name is Gianna, and I am like an artist slash wanting to be a manager. And I wanted to know what are some of the hardships of being an artist and manager at the same time? Mm -hmm. Well, um, good question. The, the hard things and the challenges of self-managing or managing other people as, as an artist or creative person as well is it does take a little longer to develop your contacts your network versus signing on to an existing agency where someone says, I'll represent you um, at this art agency or whatever, um, but I'm going to take 20% commission off of all of your sales or whatever in exchange for this relationship. So a lot of people will, will go that route because they're like, well, I don't really have any contacts yet and I want to get my art out there. What do I do? So they'll hop on the agency and, you know, give a cut of their sales to this agent, and then all of a sudden, you have an overnight success. You see a lot of bands do that as well in the music industry, where it's like, these guys were playing a basement two weeks ago, and now they're on Conan or Jimmy Kimmel. Like, how did that happen? I've been, like, working my tail off for 10 years. How did they make that transition so quickly? That's crazy because a lot of times they sign on to a high-powered agency. So you might have that kind of overnight success a little faster, whether it's fine art or music or fashion. You know, these agencies exist in all worlds. Um, when you self-manage, it's, it's not quite as overnight. Sometimes you have the, the breakthrough that really pushes you, um, but, you know, again, you, you might have to work a little harder, a little longer, and um, develop your relationships and, and really follow up with people um, instead of having someone follow up for you. Um, so if you're good at managing your time well, you're like, well, I like doing art in the morning. 
So when I wake up and I have my coffee, that's when I'm going to paint or carve my wood block and do the printmaking. And then when I'm done, I'm going to answer all my emails. You open up your computer and you're like, oh my gosh, there's like 60 emails in here and they're all complicated. And you might do that for the rest of the day. Then the next day you wake up and you do your art and you do your emails again. So if you're good at that, time management, you know, or, or if you want to work on it as, as, as a goal to become better at time managing, um, you'll do a good job self-managing for sure. But a challenge might be that you have to learn what your diverse responsibilities are for the day. Okay, I have to do the art, but I also have to look at this contract. How am I going to fit this all in? Um, and then also, you know, secondly, uh, dealing with the fact that there will be people and agencies who might go leaps and bounds above you. But if you're in it for the long run and not just the overnight success, self-managing will be a very rewarding experience when you keep 100% of the sales. You know what I'm saying? And, and you see those sales grow over five years or 10 years, and you're like, wow, I was only making like 50 bucks a week when I first started doing this. Flash forward five years, now I'm making five grand a week. I'm glad I stuck this out. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, I guess the challenge is having that long-term vision and, and managing your time well. You know, something along the lines of what you guys are, are talking about is um, I just interviewed Andrew Barber from the hip-hop blog Fake Shore Drive mm -hmm. literally like a couple days ago. And he was talking about, the, you know, looking at the hip-hop culture in Chicago in the 90s versus now. And mm -hmm. in the 90s, there were some, you know, there were some big names, some decent-sized names. 2000s, there were some decent-sized names. And those were all guys who had, who had managers, who had publicists, who had labels, who had other people doing the work for them. Mm -hmm. And now that a lot of that infrastructure has fallen away in the music industry in a lot of places, you know, you have a new generation of artists that know how to do their own Instagram, that know how to do their own Tumblr and, and YouTube and know how to, you know, in some ways manage their careers. A lot of these older guys are getting left in the dust because they always had someone doing the work for them. And now that there's no one to do the work for them, they don't know how to do it. So another advantage, you know, of doing it yourself is just, especially in the long haul, if your manager bails on you, if your publicist wants too much money, right. you can be like, well, I know how to do this. I can keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a follow-up question yeah, about that? Yeah. Go um, ahead. Well, it's, I guess you kind of answered it, but go if ahead. you could go back to the beginning, would you sign on with someone who has a bigger contact list than you or knows a lot more about the business Mm -hmm. than you did at the time. When I first started um, playing music professionally, not just in basements, but more at clubs and auditoriums, I did sign on to an agency. And that was kind of what helped me understand that I needed to do it myself. So there's no shame in, in trying that. You might find an awesome publicist or manager that you're able to, to build a lasting relationship with and that 20% is worth it. Um, you know, when we signed on with this agency at the beginning, we got really big tours, you know, that I might not have been able to nail on my own as an 18-year-old, you know? I'm 28 now. Um, so, you know, I, I did do that. 
kind of saw what that world looked like. And when I was on the border of Texas and Mexico, waiting to be taken over to Mexico to play a show, and the guy never came, the promoter, and I'm calling my booking agent like, where is this dude? And not getting a call back because he's at Martha's Vineyard on vacation or whatever. Standing there, you know, there's like a tumbleweed going yeah. by kind of thing. Um, vultures circling over. Right. <laughs> you know, like hungry vultures. Right. Um, I realized that I really need to take this on myself so I know who my contact is and... You know, at the end of the show, when someone's like, your booking agent didn't get a guarantee, you're like, but I have this sheet of paper that says that he did. And they're like, I never signed that thing. When you start doing it yourself and you're a little more accountable for your successes and your failures, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm perfect or anything like that. You know, it's, it's a learning experience. Um, but I'm really happy with the way that I did it for myself. And it's going to be different for everybody. Thank Good you questions. for your question, yeah. Um, who else? Let's get a couple more before we cut out of here today. Is anyone here in music? Okay. And fashion? So, like, design or, like, styling? Business? A lot of business, yeah. Okay. A lot of things they've talked about is, like, wanting to work with, like, companies like uh, Nordstrom's or, like, you know, Coach or, you know, Macy's or, or places like that. And if I'm getting it wrong... Feel free to speak up, but you know, yes. And that's a lot of what we talked about in the class is like the, yeah, the benefits of working as an entrepreneur, designing as an entrepreneur versus working or designing for a larger company. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'll just say really quickly that a lot of people think that Chicago isn't a fashion town, but I think that that's a myth. You know, a lot of people say it's all New York, LA, Milan, et cetera. Uh, the scene in Chicago is so cool. You know, like the, the street fashion blogs that happen here in Chicago, um, you know, our weather really dictates what we wear for sure, and I think people get really creative with that. Um, if you're looking for a cool, like, high fashion company to get an internship at or check out and see what, like, really high fashion, like, couture is like, um, it's called eDropoff. And even though it sounds like one of those stores where you drop off your stuff to be sold on eBay, um, they only do super high fashion, like Chanel suits, um, Gucci bags, and, and, and not the retail high fashion stuff, but like the couture stuff. And um, they ship all around the world, like to Tokyo and that kind of thing, all these cool brands. So if you want to see fashion at work in kind of a company setting... Check them out. Check out their website. They have a great blog. You know, read the blog. See what they what events they have going on. Um, if you want to consider, you know, doing it yourself, um, start an Etsy shop and start selling your stuff and see what happens. And you know, send it to blogs or send it to your favorite designers and say, "You've inspired me. Here's my work. Do you have any advice for me?" on who to contact for, for retailing my stuff or whatever. But yeah, I think that fashion in Chicago is pretty exciting. While we don't have like fashion week like New York does, um, there's just so many cool companies and um, who are like making custom clothing or 
selling high-end shoes and that kind of thing. I think it's really inspiring. You know, something that we've talked a bit about in this class as well is, like, I think you don't anymore necessarily have to be in New York or L.A. Mm -hmm. Because now, A, there's, like, social media, so you can show your stuff off on, like, Instagram, for example. You know, like, if you have a fashion brand, if you have a new, you know, seasonal line, you can put that all up on Instagram, and it can reach an audience there. I mean, Instagram... I see some of these, like, young fashion designers, whether it's, like, you know, someone doing C-Punk or someone just doing, like, weird alternative stuff, mm-hmm. and they've got, like, 66,000 followers. So it's it doesn't crazy. matter where they're from because yeah. they're reaching a global audience. Or you have platforms like Ustream and Livestream and, and Google Hangouts and Skype where you can connect or live stream what you're doing, and it'll reach a larger... Or even just, like, put it on YouTube if it's not in real time. So... Now I think more than ever, it's not that you have to necessarily just like, you have no choice but to go to New York. I think you can be based out of anywhere. And if you are savvy with what you're doing and you can connect to an audience, Mm -hmm. you can project it there. And sometimes you might find more success being a a Chicago designer um, because maybe there's less competition here than there is in LA. You might stand out in a crowd because of your experience here and your style. Um, So yeah, and I, I would also say, if, uh, if you have your little smartphone or your laptop, like White Mystery on Facebook, and when a post pops up that you like or whatever, um, especially if it's in the fashion world, we have a lot of stuff coming up with this spring campaign going live in March for Levi's worldwide. You might be like, that's that chick who talked to my class. You know what I'm saying? Like in, in, in an ad or something like that. Feel free to uh, Facebook the band, how you can like Facebook message. You're welcome to message me. If you're like, yeah. hey, how do I get in touch with Levi's? I'm going to San Francisco, or I'm moving there and I need an internship, or optical wear, that's cool. I'm designing eyeglasses or interest in that. Can you please connect me with them? I'm happy to do that stuff. So just like White Mystery on Facebook and feel free to message us. Um, and follow our posts, and maybe it'll help you shape what you do in some way I mean, or, or what you don't want to do, you know, like the opposite of what we're doing. So, And that's a only, huge offer. You yeah. know, that's a really significant offer because not everybody makes himself accessible. Alex White has always made time for anything that I have pursued her about, whether it's speaking in the class, speaking at, uh, you know, live venues like Rocket Bar and Grill or just doing a podcast at, um, you know, on site at like Riot Fest or something. So... That accessibility is so key, you know. Um, let's do one or two more questions before we cut out of here today. How do you approach a company's for sponsorships? Yeah, especially so, in the beginning. So what I did, um, and, and what kind of sponsorship? Do you have something in mind or just a general question? Fashion? Okay. So um, what you could do is literally... Go to the website of the company that you want the sponsorship from. Look at that website and see what kind of photographs and blog posts they have. See their style. Go to their contact page and get their contact information, whether it's a form, you know, like where you enter your name, your email address, and your question. Or they'll have an email address. They, they might have... You know, for sponsorships, contact this person. Click that. And then create a short, um, nice email that says, 
hello, introduction, you know, my name is such and such from, you know, a startup fashion company, or I'm a Columbia College student concentrating in fashion. Um, your company would be the perfect fit for a sponsorship that I'm thinking about. Here is my Facebook and an example photo of what I have in mind, or write the example if you don't, if you don't have a picture. Can you please um, reply to me either way on whether you can do this? And they might say, well, what day is it? Like, it's uh, December 5th, and we need this much. They might say, like, okay, well, we can go half-seas with you, or something like that. Or, well, would you be interested in us trading you this, but maybe you can come into our office and do a little bit of this for us, and just kind of work it from there. Um, so I would say, like, first step is understand who the company is, what their style is, what they like, you know, if you see a blog post where they're like, hey, everybody, we're having an Instagram contest, um, and we want everyone to upload a photo of you wearing your favorite outfit, hashtag our company name or something like that. You know, and when, you know, step two, you go to their contact page, you might say, I saw your Instagram um, contest. This is totally something that I'm trying to do as well would you be interested in sponsoring this thing? So, you know, like, step one, understand the company so that, you know, the likelihood of them saying yes is much higher because you understand where they're coming from and what their style is. And then step two would be literally going to their contact page. I got an endorsement from Orange Amps when the band first started. Like, we had, like, you know, maybe... 300 Facebook likes or something like that. We were just getting started. Um, but Orange Amps is this really cool guitar amp company. And on their logo, they have a redheaded woman playing guitar. So I was able to go on their contact page, even as a small band, like startup band, where I had like a day job. You know what I'm saying? Like as a startup and say, hey, I saw you have a redheaded woman on your logo, and I really need a guitar amp sponsorship. Here's our Facebook. Here's a picture of me playing, and here's a picture of my broken amp. <laughs> Would you be interested in sponsoring my band with an artist endorsement? And I literally did this on their contact page. It wasn't like, hey, email this guy at Orange Amps. He, you know, he's a friend of mine. He's going to say yes to you. It was a total like contact page thing. And they said yes, like right, right off the bat. It wasn't like, please, or something like that, you know, like in a back and forth, it was, it was the first email. So, you know, that first step of really finding the right fit, I think is important. And then the second step of reaching out to them, and then you take it from there. One more, and then we're out. Um, interesting story. Yeah, how did you get the Levi's sponsorship? Um, so this is such a kind of kooky story of how that happened. Um, first of all, I'm a big fan. So like that whole like step one of like brands that you like and believe in, you know, that was taken care of when I was a little kid and our mom was putting Levi's on us, <laughs> you know? So um, there was this big festival and it was called Station to Station 
which maybe you guys saw a video yeah, or we, something like we that. We saw the video. That was the train video where they were going cross Around country. Around and stuff. And, okay. Yeah. So that festival was uh, sponsored by Levi's. And people were asking me, like, how did you get your band on this festival? It's crazy. Like, there's all these big names. You know, it's, it's high visibility. It's very interesting. How did you get that? Well, the person who organized it asked his cousin, who's your favorite band in Chicago? And I went to high school with this guy. You know, the whole, like, building relationships, yes, you are going to see these people again. Whenever I saw this guy, I'm like, hey, you should come to a show. Like, you know, we went to high school together. I'll get you on the guest list. Like, come on down, check it out. And he would. So when his cousin was putting together a festival and said, who's your favorite band in Chicago? He said, White Mystery. So we got booked for this festival, even though like we're, you know, maybe a smaller band than some of these other musicians and artists. So we got on the train and we knew it was sponsored by Levi. So we're like rocking our Levi stuff. You know, we've got jean jackets we've had for years covered in white mystery patches and other cool patches and buttons we've collected. And they're like, wow, your jacket's really cool. Like you guys have some style. We're like, yeah, you know, whatever. And uh, they're like, can we, like, can we, like, shoot you guys, like, you know, wearing your jackets? Like, and we looked at that picture. Yeah. Yeah. And, the Polaroid. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like, yeah, totally, of course. Like, shoot away. Use it however you want. Like, no big deal. Um, so, you know, at that event, did this little photo shoot. They hooked us up with jeans. So I collected business cards from everybody. You know, that which I had to do at DePaul. We had these like networking things where we were required to go and we had to collect 10 business cards, which at that time was like so painful for me because I was like, can I have your business card? Kind of like, <laughs> kind of thing. But now it's natural. You know, it's like, oh, can I have your card? Like, I'd love to follow up with you. So, you know, collected all these cards from, cards from the Levi's people, followed up, thanked them for these jeans, like, thank you so much. Like, that's really generous of you to, like, hook up all of this amazing merchandise. And we do a newsletter, you know, a white mystery newsletter. Hey, we're going on tour. Hey, we just did the station to station thing. Here's a video. Check it out. It goes out to, like, you know, 10,000 people or whatever. And um, I sent our newsletter with the photo from Levi's to all the Levi's people and said, hey, thanks again. Here's the photo, we put it in our newsletter, like, have a nice day. And I got a call a couple weeks later, we're doing a big photo shoot in LA, we want you guys on it. You guys have a modeling contract now. Um, we're flying you in, we're putting you up, and um, we can't wait to see you again. You know, it's because we had developed that relationship. So it kind of started with one thing, and just through those follow-ups and relationship development and the social media with the photo and the, the jeans and that kind of thing and believing in the brand like right off the bat, like way long time ago, it blossomed into this beautiful thing. And we're having so much fun developing these projects together. Like I really hope that there's, that the next time I come back or the next time I talk to you, I have an even better story. You know, um, so it kind of started in one place and, and went into another. Awesome. Any other questions? Did I answer it? Okay, cool. Well, awesome. Uh, really, really tremendous insight and 
just so much great advice uh, here today with Miss Alex White from White Mystery. And it's always such a pleasure to talk with you as well. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here for the class. Let's give it up for her. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And of course, again, you know, like us on Facebook. You know, see whether that style is good for you or if you want to do the opposite of it. And if you have any questions, again, please feel, to, you know, if you think of something tomorrow or in a month, please reach out to me. Okay? Awesome. Um, thanks to the AMM department in Columbia College for having Dynasty Podcasts uh, up at the school today. And to Layla Royale for engineering today's live podcast as well. And thank you guys to my class for being such an awesome part of this. Um, Jaime Black for Dynasty Podcast. Thank you, guys. This has been the Dynasty Podcast pod class series. Thanks to Miss Alex White of White Mystery for being on the show, Columbia College Chicago for hosting Dynasty Podcasts, and Leila Royale for engineering and producing the interview. You can find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Jaime Black, Dynasty Descend.